Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. I'm Mary Caffrey, Executive Editor of AJMC, and joining me today is Dr. Lucio Gordon, who is President and Managing Physician of Florida Cancer Specialist and Research Institute. Welcome, Dr. Gordon. Good morning, Mary. So today we are discussing updated guidelines in multiple myeloma and specifically a new update that discusses how clinicians can address 1Q abnormalities. So to get started, Dr. Gordon, can you explain to us what 1Q abnormalities are in multiple myeloma and why this is important? Yes, we have learned that 1Q21 plus abnormalities are relatively common in multiple myeloma. About 30 to 40% of the patients will have such abnormality. And uh, it's defined as having greater than the gain of greater than uh, three copies or amplification of four copies or more. Uh, I think it's important because um, by itself, uh, 1Q21 is not necessarily a a super high risk prognostic factor, but in in aggregate with other uh, elements, uh, it's it's very important. So precisely what do these abnormalities uh, mean in terms of the care for the patients and how do they affect patient outcomes? Meaning what what's the greater risk for these patients relative to sort of the overall multiple myeloma population? Yes, so uh, the second revision of the International Staging System or R2SISS adds uh, 1Q21 gain amplification as a prognostic risk factor, it assigns a 0.5 points. Uh, so this means that it's uh, well recognized as, uh, as a risk factor in terms of increased uh, risk of progression uh, of multiple myeloma. We also uh, know that uh, patients who have relapsed disease, they uh, show gain of chromosome 1 abnormalities. So it's important for us uh, physicians to be uh, aware of, of this finding, to uh, make sure that our FISH panels uh, include 1Q21 gain and amplification so we can uh, proper risk stratify the patients for treatment. So how do we go about identifying the patients who have these abnormalities? Uh, it's usually by, by FISH panel of the plasma cells. So it's a relatively uh, common test and uh, all of us should be ordering a fish panel in multiple myeloma and uh, just make sure that the fish panel that's ordered uh, does include uh, 1Q21 uh, abnormalities such as gain or amplification, because uh, as I said, it's an important risk factor to be aware of. You mentioned the NCCN guideline update. As we record this, it's less than two weeks since the update was released September 22nd, incorporating the recommendations from the JCO article that ran last December. Can you go into a little more detail about what the guideline update says? Sure. So the uh, R2ISS uh, study um, was published in JCO in 2022, and uh, it incorporated uh, uh, different prognostic factors, including the uh, quote-unquote old ISS, LDH, uh, translocation of uh, 414, the of 17P uh, chromosome, and the 1Q21 gain or, or amplification. And the R2ISS um, 
uh, risk stratified in uh, from low to high risk disease based on these uh, uh, factors that I mentioned. And the uh, medium overall survival uh, on the R2 uh, ISS goes from 110 months for the low risk all the way down to 38 months uh, in, in, in the high risk. As far as progression-free survival, it goes from like 70 months on the uh, low risk all the way down to 20 months or so in, in the high risk. So it, it means that uh, it, it, the R2ISS is a, 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 an easy, simplified, reproducible, modern way of doing risk stratification of patients with multiple myeloma. And it does include for the first time the 1Q21 uh, uh, amplification or gain. Uh, so th that's uh, important. Um, uh, and I think the, the new NCCM guidelines, again, they do incorporate the R2 ISS uh, risk stratification, and also they give uh, light to 1Q21 abnormalities that wasn't as evident uh, in, in the past iterations of NCCM. So basically in the past, there was some awareness of the of the 1Q amplification, but it wasn't spelled out as clearly. So maybe some physicians would be aware, but some physicians might not. Um, but now it's clearly stated in the guidelines. So do you expect there to be uh, greater awareness, uh, greater, um, you know, greater, more widespread awareness and more widespread testing for, for this in the future? Yeah, uh, I, I hope so. Uh, certainly, uh, I'd love to see uh, uptake of this information by the practicing uh, hematologists on colleges across the country as quickly as possible. Uh, it's not as easy to get translation of science into the practice. Uh, we all know that it takes longer than, than we would hope for. But uh, I think uh, NCCN being so important, uh, um, the fact that they are uh, making this evident uh, does help uh, translation into real world practice. So the the, the article from uh, JCO that inc that included uh, the discussion of this risk factor only appeared in December and it's already in the guidelines um, in September. Is that a pretty quick turnaround relative to the past? It seems like NCCN is turning things around more rapidly than maybe it was five to ten years ago. Yeah, very much so, Mary. Uh, I'm, I'm glad the iterations of the new versions are happening uh, almost in real time. So kudos to uh, NCCM leadership. And, um, and, and I think this is a very well thought out decision as far as including R2ISS uh, into the guidelines. Uh, so very happy for their early consideration in multiple myeloma and other cancers as well. So what are the therapeutic challenges with addressing the 1Q abnormalities? Um, what, uh, what do you have specific preferred therapeutics that you that you look to when when a patient has this abnormality? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a great question, Mary. So the Icaria multiple myeloma study and Ikema study that have been published. Um, the, in this study, there, there was a subgroup analysis uh, for patients with multiple myeloma in the refractory setting who had 1Q21 uh, gain or amplification. And in these uh, studies, uh, patients were uh, analyzed getting isatuximab plus pomalidomide and dexamethasone versus pomalidomide dexamethasone. The other study was um, carfilzomib dexamethasone with or without isatuximab. 
And the uh, bottom line is that progression-free survival and overall survival were improved with the addition of uh, anti-CD8, CD38 uh, antibody. In that case, isatuximab. Uh, so that, that's a, a, a good quote-unquote piece of data that we have uh, that allows us to choose uh, uh, best therapies for, uh, for a patient with this specific uh, signature. So how do we, um, what's the best way to get the word out in, in, into clinical practice about these results and, and get the better uptake? You mentioned that sometimes it takes a long time for the information to get its way out. Like how would, what, what would you do at, at Florida Cancer Specialist in terms of like, what would your next step be in terms of getting it out to, I think you have a hundred sites that you, you have to reach? Yes, we have nearly 100 sites, uh, uh, almost 600 providers. Uh, so it's a, it's a very large enterprise. So what we do is our PNT uh, team connects every uh, two weeks um, and we do upgrades uh, or uh, new information releases uh, in a very timely fashion. So uh, what happened uh, in September uh, 23, 2023 with the NCCN for multiple myeloma, the um, uh, providers already got uh, an alert about uh, what has happened in this space. So we, we try to be as proactive as we can. I think opportunities like uh, what I'm getting today of speaking to other uh, oncologists, hematologists in the country uh, uh, allow um, propagation of um, knowledge as quickly as possible. Uh, at FCS, we're really interested in doing real world evidence studies, uh, including all the data points we have going back uh, uh, more than a decade in terms of all the specifics about the patient demographics, genetics, genomics, um, so that we can measure the uh, retrospectively and prospectively what happens uh, when we incorporate new um, information from a genomic standpoint, for instance, and what happens when we match the best therapy for the patient. So we're really excited uh, and uh, we, uh, with, with that development, and we'll try to bring more and more papers, abstracts to uh, the world of medical oncology, hematology in the U.S. and, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, as to how we're trying to educate all of us as quickly as possible. So are there any payer barriers here that we need to be concerned about that uh, this guideline speaks to that that you would that need to be addressed? I don't think so, uh, Mary. I, I, I haven't had any uh, pushback uh, as far as uh, fish panel in multiple myeloma and uh, as far as therapeutic selection, um, once it's in the NCCM guidelines, uh, it, it becomes uh, not easy, but easier to get patients through the process and, and claims uh, educated and paid for. So the short answer from my standpoint is no. I think it's just the knowledge uh, about what's, what's happening uh, in, in the world of not only myeloma, but all the other cancers and hematological disorders is, is hard to keep up with everything, as you know. Okay. So is there anything else that, that on this topic that you want to add and share with our audience? Yeah, uh, again, uh, multiple myeloma is a, an incredibly complex uh, uh, disease process and or multiple diseases probably. And um, we, we, we need to, to stay uh, abreast uh, of the latest and the, and, and the best information we can. Um, and uh, uh, we uh, are taking a, a very serious approach uh, at, at FCS uh, as far as educating our providers to again, match the best uh, treatment plan or clinical research protocol 
to the uh, patient's uh, molecular and personal signature of disease. So uh, it, it's it's an exciting time to be uh, a practicing medical oncologist, hematologist. So um, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to spend with us too. From all of us at AJMC, thank you for listening to this Managed Care Cast. For more updates in managed care, be sure to visit AJMC.com and sign up for our e-newsletter. To get in touch with us, you can email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. 